the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Looking for strategies to help you protect your portfolio in these uncertain times? Visit RobBlack.com. RobBlack.com. Powered by EP Wealth. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. We got the inflation number that we wanted. That's a little bit of a cheat sheet on today, but let's take a look at yesterday first. We saw the NASDAQ, the SP500, and the Dow all have a pretty good day. It was a wide breadth of the market that did well yesterday. It's kind of nice to see. It wasn't necessarily Apple that led the markets higher, if that makes sense. Stocks yesterday snapped out of their three-day funk. Thanks to a bright news across the corporate world, Salesforce is raising prices, and that equals more profits for the first time in seven years. Zillow got an analyst upgrade, and I saw some odd companies like Etsy do well for no other reason than that they're a small company, maybe. I would be very careful if you own Coinbase. The big boys are coming out of the industry, and the big boys will charge pennies for transactions where they're charging dollars as percentages go. I would be very, very careful. That's something I saw in research yesterday that just really stood out to me as, uh-oh, that company's in trouble, even if they don't have the SEC on their back in the future. Other big stories of note yesterday, Microsoft got the go-ahead, maybe kind of, sort of, to take over Activision Blizzard, but the FTC could appeal as early as today, but a federal judge rejected the FTC's attempt to stop Microsoft from buying the video game publisher Activision Blizzard paving the way for the $69 billion deal to close as soon as this month. I own both of those stocks for disclosure reasons. Um, I honestly think they'd both be fine on their own. But when you add Call of Duty to Microsoft's Xbox platform, um, even though they're going to share it with other publishers, um, other hardware developers like Sony, and potentially Nintendo for the next 10 years, I, I think it gives Microsoft another studio. And where our eyeballs are going right now is more towards video games and less towards movies. Bank of America got slapped with a $250 million in fines for junk fees. Good. It always feels like banks seem to nickel and dime you, charging overdraft fees twice improperly withholding credit card rewards. Uh, opening credit card accounts without consent. Hey, this is exactly what Wells Fargo did, and they got punished. I hate seeing situations like this on the average individual person. It just stinks. Um, massive storm have, le- have massive storms have left Vermont partially underwater. It's a crazy image. Um, what once I used to live on the East Coast and. Uh, let's just say on the East Coast, they're like, oh, those Californians, they get earthquakes all the time. I'm telling you, I'm seeing a lot more natural disasters coming out of the East Coast and the West Coast recently. 
storm is projected to cost the Northeast region up to about $5 billion as water inundated homes and businesses. It swept over roads and disrupted rail travel. At least 117 people had to be rescued. One woman died. Increasingly frequent floods fueled by climate change. I saw a big insurer left the state of Florida. We've seen insurers leave the state of California. Gives us fewer options and gives them options to raise prices faster without less competition. Uh, Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning Part 1. Action film. Christopher Nolan, atomic bomb movie, Oppenheimer. They're going to be taking on each other for... Screen time in IMAXs. Top Gun Maverick grossed 110 million IMAX alone last summer. So I don't know. Um, can these guys save the summer? I don't think so. It feels like the summer's already lost in movies with just disappointment after disappointment. Can they do well? Yes. I don't think Oppenheimer's got the, how shall we say, broad appeal. Okay, okay. For those of you who get breakfast burritos or scrambled eggs and you put hot sauce on them, there's a sriracha shortage. Isn't that crazy? Just saying it sounds odd. The sauce, uh, it's a famous sauce. Resellers on sites like Amazon and eBay are hawking a sriracha for up to 10 times the original price. People are buying one 12-pack to win for $415 this week, $35 a bottle. The shortage stems from a bad crop of chili peppers used to make the sauce shows no sign of easing. Devastating news. So if you got it, hoard it in the refrigerator. Um, I don't know what to say to that. It does show you how Wall Street works with supply and demand. Who would pay $35 for a bottle of hot sauce? Well, somebody would, apparently. Tesla launched a probe into Elon Musk. His plans to buy lavish glass house he wants to live in a glass house is that not kind of funny elizabeth holmes is keeping her nose out of trouble she's going to be released two years early that happened fast still a very lengthy uh, sentence but something tells me she's getting out sooner rather than later and that's just me being cynical right is that fair the june cpi number came out this morning and it was a doozy it's quiet inflation fears. The markets took off on a rally on that. No, no fear in the market right now in my eyeballs. The lighter volume today on Wall Street doesn't exactly confirm a breakout. The June CPI release. Um, it's friendly inflation. It's coming down. Total CPI for June was up two-tenths of a percent month over month. Consensus was for up three-tenths. Now, again, that may not sound like a big difference, but that's pretty sizable when you start look, looking at exponentials. Shelter accounted for 70% of the increase. Shelter comes down at a much slower pace in inflationary numbers than anything else. In large part, you just signed a one-year lease and you pay too much for it. And you have to wait another year till you tell your landlord, you know, I think I deserve a cut or I'm going to go find a cheaper place. On a year over year basis, total CPI decelerated to 3% from 4%, marking its smallest increase since March 2021, while core CPI decelerated from four, from 5.3% down to 4.8. That 4.8 is still a very big number. So evidence is pointing to this is dis disinflationary. 
but maybe at the July FOMC meeting, it'll be another let's pause and reflect, get another couple months of lower inflationary numbers and just to be done. When we're done, the market will have a realistic ability to rally. Um, because the next thing is probably going to be a cut, which is typically increases liquidity, throws more money into the system, and um, supports growth. Fundstrats Tom Lee said Monday that he thought the S P 500 could add as much as 100 points in the near term if CPI was 2%, two tenths of a percent or less. He got that number. Now let's see if we add 100 points. Um, long story short, He's looking pretty smart at this point in time for making that bullish call. S&P 500 is up 45 points right now. So could it go up another 1% after this? Yes. That's his expectations. The All three mark, all four markets are higher today with the Russell 2000 leading the way up 1.2%. The NASDAQ up 1.3%. The Dow up 80 basis points. And the S&P 500 up a cool 1%. Oil's higher in a bullish move. 10-year treasuries pulled back under 4%. I'm liking what I'm seeing. It's good pin action today. Good pin action. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. Don't want to work forever? Check out the retirement planning guide on robblack.com. That's robblack.com, powered by EP Wealth. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. Domino's Pizza is a big winner winner chicken dinner today. Rising sharply, nine and a half percent. What did they do? Did they invent pepperoni? Pepperoni mixed with puppies? No. Did they come out with tomato sauce 2.0 made from radiated tomatoes that will give you the strength of golems? No. They made a relationship with Uber. And it's a smart one, it's a vertical. For Uber, I think it's very smart. For Domino's, I think it's brilliant. So Domino's Pizza rising sharply today. They're going to allow Uber's going to allow U.S. customers to order its products on Domino's uh, Domino's products on Uber's apps. Uber Eats app. Speaking this Rob, Uber Eats apps, as well as Postmates. Delivery responsibilities will remain with Domino's. The initial rollout of the deal will begin this fall in four pilot markets. It's expected to expand across the country by the end of the year, given certain customers only order their delivery from Uber Eats. This deal could make Domino's available to millions of new customers around the world. The goal is to generate a billion plus dollars in new sales by listing menus on Uber's apps. Um, smart, smart deal. Winner for everyone here. Domino's will be the face the customers see at the door but Uber will be providing them with adequate data to understand delivery efficiency and incrementality. I'm okay with Domino's as long-term investment. It's a crazy thing to say, but if you look at its, its history, it does really, really well as a stock. Doesn't mean past performance is going to equal future uh, expectations, uh, performance any way, shape, or form. But uh, let's just say I like that one. Taking a look at stocks day, everything that I'm seeing that we talk about on a regular basis is up today. Whether it's Home Depot or Uber, Adobe, Salesforce, 
NVIDIA, Airbnb, Nike. Oh, there's Activision a little bit lower. Um, they had a big day yesterday as Microsoft. It looks like they're going to be able to acquire Activision. Close the deal as early as Monday for $92 to $95 a share. No guarantees because the FTC could appeal the federal judge's decision. And that could happen as early as today. Some people are taking some smart gains from yesterday off the table today. Other big stories of note, NVIDIA is looking to invest in rival chip maker ARM at the IPO. This is a smart move. Um, ARM is the chip maker bought by Japan SoftBank in 2016. ARM chips compete with Intel chips. Intel may become an anchor investor as well. Prospective investors are negotiated over ARM's value. NVIDIA is arguing that it should be 35 to 40 billion, while ARM sees it closer to 80 billion. NVIDIA offered to buy ARM for 66 billion in 2020, but abandoned the bid last year when it was challenged by regulators. SoftBank bought ARM for 32 billion back in 2016. This is going to be one of the biggest IPOs ever. And definitely one of the biggest IPOs of the year when ARM comes public. But isn't it interesting that competitors on some levels, NVIDIA and Intel, are saying, you know what? I wouldn't mind to own part of you, see the market ready up, and then possibly sell some shares of you. If you can't beat them, join them is the idea. Again, that is a very, very basic idea, but you kind of got to go with it. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Let's talk nursing homes real quickly. Some things that you may not have known about nursing homes. They are very expensive. About 1.1 million Americans live or reside in a nursing home. My mother did in her final three years of her life before COVID took her down. A lot of people see the industry as understaffed, potential crisis, Exasperated by a patchwork system for paying for long-term residential care. It is a very challenging topic to talk about. Nursing homes, also known as skilled nursing facilities, provide round-the-clock nursing and medical care required for older, chronically ill, or disabled people. There's about 15,000 facilities in the United States today. Nursing home residents who required help bathing increased from a facility average of 89% in 1985 to 96% in 2015. So the people that are going into nursing homes need a lot more care. You can get short-term care, you can get long-term care. Medicare pays for up to 100 days of care per benefit period. Longer stays are not covered by Medicare or private health insurance. So my family is looking to get long-term care, likely on my spouse and not on me. She's younger. She's more beautiful. She's uh, more fit. She hasn't had to get up at four in the morning to do talk shows for 20 plus years. She'll probably outlive me. She's got longevity on her family side. I do not on mine. Nursing home care is expensive. So we'll probably buy long-term care insurance probably in the next two to three years. Nursing home care is expensive. It costs roughly $108,000 a year for a private room or $94,000 for a shared room. Prices are going to vary via location. In Alaska, you're looking at about $380,000 a year. 
in Louisiana, about 65,000. My mother was right around 110, 115,000. That's a lot of money going out the door in the final stages of your life. Nursing homes are short on staffing. So before you put mom and dad into a nursing home, make sure that you are comfortable with how they operate. Ask lots and lots of questions. There's a website called Care Compare. Care Compare. And it shows you five-star nursing homes and it shows you one-star nursing homes. The more stars, the better. Pay attention to the form of ownership inside of a nursing home. They are operated for profit. About 25% are nonprofit. 70% are profit, 25% nonprofit. They're good and bad nursing homes under different ownership arrangements. On average, nonprofits have higher um, positive numbers for ratings and reviews. Everything worthy of note. COVID-19 and other infections ravage nursing home residents. Um, It almost seems like there should be a better way than this. Just throwing that down there for you. Um, And there's a lot of reforms that are in the works for legal issues tied towards the administration trying to improve nursing home care, aiming to increase transparency and ownership, create minimum staffing requirements, increase private rooms for residents. I told you when I would visit my mother, it was horrible. I felt like I was visiting her in jail. You sign in with a guard downstairs. You go upstairs to her room, which is not, I'm not going to say the size of a prison cell, but it felt like the size of a prison cell. And um, it's very humbling. It's very lonely. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show, talking all things financial, even nursing homes. Something you should think of. What's the best way to choose a financial advisor? Download our guide at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. Powered by EP Wealth. Still have a lot of content for you, but my favorite content of the week, Patrick O'Hare, is here. He's here on a very good day from briefing.com. Briefing.com. No joke, I've used briefing.com for 20 plus years. It is the anchor of this radio show because I start my day by reading Patrick O'Hare. I can't believe you're still there. I can't believe I'm still here. We're getting old together, Mr. O'Hare, and the market seems to be doing its thing. And I love the stories of the market, and you help present them. Thanks for being here. Uh, you're certainly welcome, Rob. It's been a, a pleasure, obviously, to appear on your show, and it's been definitely a, a pleasure to do what I've done for the last 27 years at, at Briefing.com and looking forward to many more years. We get to do stories like a bottle of Sriracha is going for $35 on Amazon. I love this job. I, I, it's it's something I would never have predicted, but let's get to the daily headlines that you started and you ripped uh, a pretty nice piece off on this morning. June CPI reports, quiet inflation fear and rate hike worries. Uh, this is just what the market ordered, sort of. Give us your take on it, sir. Right. Well, it is uh, a report that, that definitely went the market's way today, and you know you could argue certainly that it went the Fed's way. Um, and you're seeing some encouraging uh, disinflationary trends in both total P- uh, CPI and and core CPI, which excludes food and energy. And you know the market, though, leading up to this report, uh, what it suggested in the page one column this morning too, wasn't really trading in fear of what it might have heard today. 
Um, you had stocks rallying in front of the CPI number. You had bonds rallying in front of the CPI number. The dollar was weaker. And sure enough, everything came in um, as expected, which is to say came in better than expected, really. Um, and so, you know, we can see in the Fed funds futures market now that uh, that there's an expectation that it's pretty much one and done for the Fed. Uh, of course, the Fed may see things differently still, but that's what the market is pricing in anyway, that you get a 25 basis point rate hike in July, and then that's it. Uh, and that's uh, an idea that is certainly helping to support uh, the equity market here as uh, investors like the notion that the Fed is, is just about done with its tightening cycle. The one sticky wicket that seems to be sticking for the Fed is housing costs. And the housing market has a shortage, and yet there's a rebound in prices. That seems to be something the Fed still has to fight over. Or do you think they can let that go and and move on and just say shelter is what it is as long as the rest of inflation's moderating, disinflating? Yeah, well, they, they, they've they been pretty adamant in their message that they need to get inflation in the core rate down to, to 2%. Yep. And to the extent that shelter contributes to that because you're not seeing – you know, the moderation in shelter costs that people have been hoping for, uh, it will keep the, the, you know, the Fed in the in the game. And we're certainly uh, nervous about uh, not raising rates again, I, I suppose you could say. Um, you know, the other thing to consider, too, uh, that I'm sure the Fed will be considering is that um, you also have an increase in, in real wages now, uh, which is certainly supportive for consumer spending. And, um, you know, the Fed has, has discussed, uh, and even Fed Chair Powell has said, you know, that it's going to take some time, really, to get core inflation back down to that 2% target. Uh, so the question is just how patient will the Fed be in waiting to kind of see the lag effect of prior rate hikes kick in, or might it get antsy and just feel like it has to keep raising rates because it's not seeing the, um, you know, the improvement uh, as you allude to, in, in shelter costs and, and, and other things, perhaps. But that'll be the great uh, you know, question here as you, you know, move forward and certainly into 2024. But all I can say is, you know, based on the market's view of things, uh, it feels as if, you know, inflation is going to be uh, at a comfortable enough level where the Fed does not have to uh, keep pushing down on the pedal of, uh, and raising rates here once we get past July. What I find interesting about your page one today is you're not talking earnings that are coming out tomorrow or later this week. Um, do you find it? I don't want to say ironic. That's not the word. Are we focusing too much on the CPI number um, and forgetting that there's other things to think about? Or is the CPI number that important? Well, no, I, I think it, it really is that important. Okay. Um, because, you know, uh, rate dynamics are so important here. And uh, and obviously inflation matters for everybody. Um, and it's, it's obviously uh, an encouraging psychological lift anyway to see, you know, the trend of disinflation here. Um, so I don't think it's, it's, it's that, you know, one is putting too much emphasis on the, the importance of this particular number, but this stock market has shown us that kind of like it trades events and uh, and now the CPI number it got what it wanted there, and it's hoping it will get what it wants in the upcoming reporting 
period, but it may not, you know, and so it's going to wait and see, too, in terms of what kind of guidance we hear coming out of that reporting period to uh, figure out whether uh, these premium valuations at which the, you know, the market and certain individual stocks are trading are, are warranted. And, uh, and, and so that'll be kind of like the next, um, uh, the next battleground here, but, um, you know, it takes things in slices, uh, and it, and certainly like the, you know, the slice of pie I got today. I own six of the seven magnificent seven stocks that are the big story that they make up 80% of the gains in the S&P 500 this year as of Monday. Meta, Apple, Amazon, Alphabet, Microsoft, NVIDIA. I don't own Tesla, but I own Tesla because I own S&P 500 funds. I've had an amazing first half of the year. Should I look for performance elsewhere, i.e. Russell 2000, maybe some Wilshire 5000, some international stocks? Or I don't know. What's, what's the thought here? It's it's almost too much of a good thing. I almost feel greedy, and I almost don't want to say it out loud because I feel like a jerk owning such successful stocks. <laughs> right. Well, kudos to you for uh, having those stocks. Um, you're right. I mean, they've just been phenomenal performers. Um, and I guess the question is, you know, when you're talking about performance here, um, one has to take into account kind of that risk-reward component, right? you certainly gotten tremendous amount of reward already uh, this year. And if the market uh, or if the economy is going to hold up, you know, better than expected, then you will see a broadening out into other names or starting to see that anyway. Uh, and that would, you know, potentially kind of cap the upside here for those mega cap names uh, after they've had such a strong run. So there may be better opportunity elsewhere. But we've I've kind of highlighted for our subscribers uh, since May was is, is the benefit of owning that equal weighted S and P 500, which was trading at a more attractive valuation um, than the market cap weighted S and P 500, and uh, and also uh, affords one you know potential um, insurance, if you will, in a downside move in those mega cap names uh, if that were to happen. So uh, it probably, given the hot run those stocks have had, might be worth holding off on chasing them at these levels, maybe waiting for some type of pullback if you're looking to buy those names. But in the meantime, reallocating into other areas that hold better value here um, and that have trailed those, those names in a big way. One of the things I want to give a shout out to at briefing.com is you do a lot of technical work, a lot of economic basics. Um, you really cover market strategy well, but I'm really impressed with the technical charts because I'm not a chartist. I'm not a technician in any way, shape or form, um, but I'm looking at the technical take today, reading through it and going, OK, and the charts make a lot of sense the way your your team um, shows them. So just kudos to you. Um, what else are you working on that we need to be aware of, sir? Well, um, you know, one of the things that, you know, crosses my mind, of course, is, you know, you and I have talked about this, too, is. You know, is that lag effect of, of the prior rate hikes and that we haven't really seen it hit in any meaningful way in the economy yet. Um, but history would suggest that there it should, you know, there should be some impact here. And it's a question of, you know, not if, but, but when. And, you know, one of the things, though, that the market uh, kind of um, fall back on, the stock market, that is, uh, if we get into a period where the economy starts to feel uh, those prior rate hikes in a more acute manner is is 
the benefit of these rate hikes that we've had to this point, because what it does really is that it now uh, gives the, the Fed more room to, to cut rates than it had in the past, obviously, when you know we were at the zero bound for so long. And now we're back in what some would consider a more normal policy range. Therefore, when you get into these periods of economic distress, the Fed has the ammunition now to cut rates to help insulate the economy from something worse and uh, certainly to help, uh, you know, in investors' eyes support, you know, the equity market in a more challenging economic period. So, um, so I think that the, you know, as the market looks forward to 2024, it's looking for a better uh, earnings growth performance, but at the same time, it's allowing itself maybe some understanding that if we get into a more challenging economic period, the Fed can indeed cut rates and kind of keep things uh, levitated here for the stock market. Interesting note, there's a good article today in the financial press talking about starter homes and how younger people might be stuck in their homes for 15 to 20 years instead of three to 10 years. Um, Briefly, can you, in under 30 seconds, can you talk about interest rates and home prices and how our children may be affected? Well, I think it it's probably has a lot to do with just the supply of affordable homes, too. Uh, it's been yep. so limited. Um, and so, uh, Gen, you know, Gen Z, millennials probably have to save longer. And as they do, and they get further into their careers, they have the ability to buy more expensive homes that they then want to keep as their forever home. And that starter home becomes the forever home because uh, they're forced, if you will, into buying a more expensive home. I knew you'd have an opinion. It's Patrick O'Hare, briefing.com. It's Patrick O'Hare with briefing.com. I start my day every day with his page one, end it with a big picture at the end of the week. This interview featured on the Rob Black Show is brought to you by EP Wealth. Learn more at robblack.com. Something that can happen next on the markets is big companies could use their share price to buy small companies, mergers and acquisitions. As Microsoft is leveling up, as it's very close to acquiring Activision Blizzard, it could happen as early as Monday. The FTC can still challenge the federal judge's ruling and say, uh, we don't think this is good for the consumer, but it's tough to really pull that off. Because Sony's bigger than Microsoft in game sales, so you can't really say that they're a monopoly. And Nintendo's doing quite well as well. Um, This was a vertical integration for Microsoft. Again, I think it's a wise acquisition over time, but they're paying a lot of money. The wise acquisition over time because my kids play video games. I played video games. My kids probably spend more time on video games than they do on television. I definitely know my kids spend more time on TikTok and Instagram than they do on television. Speaking of which, the new threads from Meta, which is a Twitter knockoff ripoff, um, it feels like Instagram and content creators from TikTok more so than it feels like news. That's kind of a welcome relief, but I'll be honest with you. One thing I liked about Twitter was the news. One thing I don't like about Twitter was, again, Osama bin Laden, that was spreading on Twitter moments after he was killed. Videos from Pakistan were coming in on Twitter moments. CNN didn't break that story. Twitter did. 
So there's something about Twitter that's still news kind of, I kind of am pulling for it, but Elon Musk is just unlikable as the CEO of that company. I, I, I don't think freedom of speech should go to everyone. I don't think people should ever be told drinking bleach is good for killing COVID. I know you're saying, oh, Rob, you just got into the fray. I'm just telling you, I kind of like my doctors being doctors. I kind of like my wackadoodles talking about UFOs and not medical advice. So that's just me. Anyhow, in any way, uh, we are moving into next year and next year is going to be an election year. Something to think about. We are moving to earnings season later this week. Something to digest on how companies, big banks, the Goldman Sachs, the city banks, how they're doing. Because they have customers like you and me, and they're going to tell us how you and me are doing. Those are conference calls worthy of listening to. If you can't do that, jump on Bloomberg Television. Watch the CEOs talk about their quarters. Just my advice. And for the record, I think um, Bloomberg Television and the BBC are better news sources, in my opinion, than things like CNBC. CNBC's got too many, um, I don't want to say pretty faces, but let's put it this way. 25 years ago, I was able to get on CNBC because they needed people. They needed bodies. They needed people to come on and talk about tech stocks. And I was a tech stock basically analyst. I was on top of that game, then forward and backwards, up and down. So they let me on their state on their station. And uh, to be honest with you, they didn't know how I was doing portfolio wise. They never checked. So whenever I turn on CNBC, I'm like, oh, this is like um, money light. This is like high school money, not collegiate level conversations. Speaking of collegiate level conversations, CFP Chad Burton just did a podcast this morning. You can find it at New Focus on Wealth with CFP Chad Burton. I think he's fantastic. Sometimes he's a little bit over people's heads, but I think that's still fantastic. One question that I recently got is, can I retire comfortably at 50 with $10 million? This is kind of like me. I was in this boat. Now I'm in a better boat. But anytime someone emails me and basically asks me about me, I'm like, let me tell you what I'm doing. Is 10 million enough to retire at 50? Well, first and foremost, you got to know that you're giving up on health care with your corporation. You got to start right there. You really have to have a budget before you quit, even with $10 million. Social Security won't be available to you for years. So you're really going out on your own. Last thing I ever want to do is come back into the workforce at 70. I'm an old man. Everyone pay attention to me. You need to know where uh, you can get this show. Well, that's aisle seven. You don't want me being that guy. Um. Although I do plan to work in retirement. I do not ever plan to completely retire because I don't really have a social life. So work is my social life. So let's see, what can you do with $10 million? You can be conservative with certificate of deposits or bonds. You have to prepare for the unexpected if you're retiring at 50. Because you can now live for 40 years off that $10 million. Even if nothing catastrophic happens where that 10 million becomes 9 million or 9 million becomes 8 million. Inflation's going to take a big chunk of that over time. $50,000 of if you had $50,000 in 1993, 
30 years later, you need $105,000. And again, we're talking about same idea. So 10 million will actually become about 5 million of buying power over 30 to 40 years. That is a rough estimate. According to Fidelity, the average couple who retires at 65 should have about 315,000 saved for health care. And that's with Medicare. If you retire at 10 million and you don't have Medicare and you have something like California, covered California, experiment with it for a little while. See what it's all about. Don't go do this cold turkey. With 10 million, you can easily set up a portfolio that's pulling in 800,000. Um, no, 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 no. Um, Let's see. I'm going to try to take taxes into account here. 160, 200, 400. So you could easily pull in 400, maybe 300,000 easily. Now, again, everyone's going to say, find that word easily kind of different in large part because do you like bonds? Do you like stocks? Do you like value stocks? Do you like growth stocks? Um, but it's not as easy as saying, yeah, go ahead and do it, is what I'm trying to say. You still need to set up your emergency funds. You need to practice it a bit. But yeah, 10 million should be enough, um, depending on your budget, of course. Now, I keep coming back to that. You can find me online at robblackshow.com. It's robblackshow.com. Need a referral to a financial planner to help to determine if you can retire or not? Drop me an email, rob at robblackshow.com. For more information about EP Wealth, visit robblack.com. That's robblack.com. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.